Hey, welcome to another installment of Out of the Grave with Rob and Dave. I'm Rob. I'm Dave. And we got a special guest on the show today, a very good brother of ours, Patrick Rivers from uh, the band Three Days Under. Patrick, thanks so much for being on the show, dude. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely, man. So uh, give us a little, you know, I know jump right into it, man, but uh, give us a little history about you, like, uh, you know, uh, growing up, things like that, whatever you want to share, man. Dude, I'm, I'm an open book and, and I, I've shared this um, testimony and story so many times and I'm just so thankful that people um, really want to hear it. So like growing up, I don't want to say it was it wasn't the worst because there are people out there who've had it far worse than I ever dreamed of. But at the same time, in my personal opinion, my personal experience, it wasn't the best compared to those others around me. Um, there's a little bit, there's a lot of verbal, a little bit of physical abuse in the home going on. So I was pretty much recluse up and up until I think it was about 13 and I joined a youth group. Um, it was actually in a Methodist church and that was my escape. I used it because my, my parents would never not let me go to church unless they were super angry. And so, um, I used the youth group as my escape to get out and go and do. And, um, eventually that ran into the high school years when I joined my first band and, uh, we were some garbage punk rock band because <laughs> green day was all the rage. We, we were, uh, we were terrible. I'm so glad that that's not a thing anymore, <laughs> but, um, I met up with some guys and we, we started hanging out with it, with the band and all. And that's where I first started, um, drinking and drugs at 16. So yeah, all of it's an escape. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. You know, uh, people go down, uh, that, that road. Um, you know, also, you know, I didn't get into drugs myself until I was 19. Uh, it was the first time I ever tried anything. Well, no, I take that back. It was 17, but, uh, you know, it, it's 16 is when I started smoking cigarettes. It was a friend at, you know, in high school got me started. And, you know, even though I was coughing up a lung every time I lit up a cigarette, cause I, you know, I wasn't used to it. It was just, you know, cause back then this was late eighties and it was like the cool thing to do. You know, you were cool if you smoked and you were cool if you did this or that. So, you know, for me, it was like just trying to fit in, but but yeah, I'm, you know, some people get caught up in that stuff because of what they're going through at home or, you know, other things like that. And, you Dude. know, I, I remember, uh, first time I got high was, uh, actually we had my uncle on here, the last show, Aaron, and before he started smoking pot, he had a, a big gas can and we would hack gas, you know, and I specifically remember just feeling that you know, as you got high and thinking, well, I don't have to think about anything. I don't have to care about anything. I have no worries. I mean, even if it's for like 20 minutes, you know, and, and so I think it's really important when we try to tell people and counsel people about that, you know, that we don't come at it from the viewpoint of, oh, you know, I had my time in drugs, but it was terrible. Well, you know, like David Stoker said a couple of episodes ago, you know, he stands up in front of people and he says, I love the way drugs made me feel. What I didn't like is what they did to me. You know, and it's the old thing about you give the devil an inch, man. He's going to not just take a mile. He's going to take your whole life. Dude, yeah. drugs at the time, drugs were my favorite, man. Smoking cigarettes, smoking drugs, dropping acid, eating shrooms. I mean, daggone. I mean, yeah, dude, I'm not going to lie. I had a blast. It was fun. 
it was at that time in my life, it was, but it, like you said, it destroyed me in the future, but we'll get yeah. to that. I'm sure. Yeah, no. And you're, you're, you're absolutely right, man. Because, uh, well, I mean, nowadays I, I don't, I was hooked on meth for like uh, about two years back in the nineties myself. And, you know, back then when I was doing it, I was like, Oh man, I love this stuff. I can't get enough. You know, I, I look forward to doing the next line and what, you know, whatever. But now it's like, I, I don't miss, you know, obviously I don't miss any of it and I don't even really think much about it. And even if I remember something from the past, you know, during that time, it's like, I'm remembering scenes from a movie. It's like, that's not me anymore, you know? And, uh, you know, and, and Rob and I, we've, we've talked about, you know, our experiences and stuff. And in my case, what got me to quit, man, was I ended up homeless on the street. And that was that was a wake up call for me, man. Reality smacked me in the face. And it was like, I'm here because of me. I'm here because of what I did. You know, I you are so lucky that that is what woke you up, because there's a lot of men and women out there that, oh, oh, well, I'm homeless. So let's just go find the next fix. We'll worry about we'll worry about shelter and food and all this other stuff later, because I've got this bridge or, or, or culvert I can sleep in. So. Oh, well, the, the thing in my case, dude, was it scared the crap out of me being homeless, man. It really did. And I had never been more scared in my entire life. And see, you know, my parents, they refused to let me stay with them. You know, they just thought I was they had no idea I was doing drugs, man. They thought I was just messing my life up and just screwing up, making bad decisions, whatever, you know. And uh, because, you know. The, the, the drugs they did, they took over. I, I lost my job and then I lost my apartment. And then it was like, Oh, what am I going to do now? I got nowhere to go, you know? And, uh, at the time, you know, I was pretty mad at my dad, you know, I was like, Oh man, you're being a jerk, you know, not let me come home and stay with you guys. And, but you know, now I look back, I'm like, I'm glad he said, no, I needed that. I needed that wake up call, you know? So, yeah. Yep, definitely. You got a pastor around here that says if you're dealing with anybody in active addiction, don't even give them a bologna sandwich. Don't even, you know, I mean, let them, they got to learn. They got to oh, learn yeah. it, even though it's your kids. And I haven't had to deal with it yet. Um, hopefully I'm raising, training up my children in the way they should go that I won't have to worry about it, but it, it's rough. No means no means no means no. And you draw the line in the sand and not you or them can cross it. And if you do, they're they're screwed. They are literally it's either death or prison. Yeah. Right. So uh, I I didn't mean to take over this whole thing here, but it's, uh, uh, you know, it, telling people what we've all been through can help people. So, yeah. you know, that's that's the main point of this show here. Um, but uh, so you were saying, you know, uh, there was some mental, emotional, some physical abuse at home and, uh, you know, that you got into the, to the drugs and the drinking and stuff like that. Now, uh, did that, you know, I'm sure like over time that, that progressed was, was there any serious, you know, issues that came from that? Well, eventually there would be, um, because after like 16 and joining that band and doing that stuff for a couple more years, you go through that graduation high school, um, a lot more trouble with the, with the law as a juvenile was a habitual runaway from home. Um, you know, I, I mean, I was just, dude, if you look at my transcripts from high school, you will, you would be, I, I like whatever is the lowest GPA that you can have 
to graduate. I was that guy, <clears throat> excuse me. But um, finally I graduated, <clears throat> everything else fell apart. I tried college for a year, flunked out. Um, but looking back on it, I realized that I had an identity issue. It wasn't a people issue. It wasn't a home issue. It wasn't a drug issue. It wasn't an alcohol issue. It was an identity issue because I got this sticker in the mail that said Marines Extreme. And um, I'm like, I'm going to join the Marine Corps just based on a sticker. I'm like, you know what? I, I'm going to make my parents proud. I'm going to go up. I'm going to join the Marine Corps and they're going to be proud of me. And I'm going to be like my brother and my sister. They're like, they love, love them and blah, 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 blah. And so, uh, so you're what, wanting to make other people proud of you instead of you being happy with yourself. Yeah. And, and like, like most people are all, you hear their story. So why'd you join the service to serve my country and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, and, and am, I, am I proud that I served my country? Oh, yes, I am. But did I go in for those reasons? No, I went to make my family proud, which is absolutely the wrong reason. Um, and I didn't excel in the Marine Corps, but I, I mean, I wasn't a, a, what they call a dirtbag in there either. I, I, was, um, I was above average in the Marine Corps. I got out as an NCO, but in there they teach you to drink and they teach you to fight. Um, and then they ship you off to war. And so I did six months in the war, came back, got a little bit of PTSD, did some stuff, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, but I, um, got back from there, discharged from the Marine Corps and I was married at the time, but I was just like killing alcohol. Like it, like it was cool. I mean, you're talking like a 30 pack a night or a 15 pack a night, Monday through Friday. And then on weekends it'd be uh Saturday and Sunday, I'd be killing a 30 pack and then do it all over again. And I, I don't know how my liver's not damaged. I don't know how my, well, I know the grace of God, um, yeah. why those things are damaged. Um, but it eventually led to a divorce. Um, and then it, it led to me running wild for a week in Florida with this bartender. I mean, doing a week long of, of blow and shrooms and vodka. And I mean, it gone, gone, gone straight to the freaking hospital because it caused a cocaine induced heart attack. Oh my um, gosh. So I, I rolled, rolled into the VA hospital down there in St. Petersburg, Florida. And, uh, they hooked me up to the EKG because I was coughing and I couldn't breathe. And, and so, um, I forget why they hooked me up to the EKG. Something had to, uh, spark it, but they looked at that and they immediately rushed me back and put a monitor on me. And, and, and the doctor came in and he was like, um, dude, what have you been doing? What have you put in your body to cause your heart? You're young. I think I was maybe 27 maybe at the time he's like you're young uh you're, you're a good physical condition what have you put in you and dumb dumb me i'm i lie through my teeth i haven't been doing nothing i don't know what it is i thought it was just pneumonia <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so then they draw blood and he comes in the next morning and he has that look of the uh i'm not angry i'm just disappointed look on his face the dad look yeah <laughs> yeah and he he's like um you've got enough cocaine in your system to kill a horse you're lucky you're not dead. He's like, now we got to go do a heart cath to make sure that uh, you didn't do any damage and you could possibly die on the table if something goes wrong. So I'm like, what? No pressure, Crazy. right? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy God, again, there's no damage done to my heart. Oh, wow. So I so wind up you... back home to Kentucky and uh, I get this lady pregnant and eventually have my daughter. So there's that stretch. Wow. Story. Sorry, I was just gonna. I was just gonna ask. Whenever you went in the Marine Corps, uh, did you stop any of what you're doing, or did it pretty much just? I mean, as far as the drugs and the the, the drinking, or did it pretty much just continue? 
the drug stopped because I had a, a what my strict authoritarian parents did ingrain in me was fear of the law. And so knowing that I had signed a contract that if I get busted for, for illegal drug use or illicit drug use in, in the service, dude, that could be in the brig. That could be, that could be kicked out of the Marine Corps and really screw up my future. I don't know how between the ages of 20 and 24, I decided I care about my future at that time, but I did. So. Right. Wow. But the drinking continued. Like I said, they train you to drink and fight. And there's going to be Marines on here that probably listen to this. They don't train you to drink, whatever. You never spend enough time in the in the bars in, in Okinawa, Japan, or in North Carolina to tell me that you must have been one of them base Marines that hung out in the barracks all the time. Tell me. I've seen it. I've done it. So uh, did, did the episode in the hospital, I mean, uh, did that wake you up or did? That killed the cocaine use. Did it? I mean, <laughs> I mean. That, that, that was like, well, we're not going to touch that again. But no, it didn't wake me up. I got back home. And of course, the first couple months out of the Marine Corps, the family's all proud of you. That's my son. He's a Marine, whatever. But then they see what they don't understand is the stuff that you pack back from a war, the stuff you pack back from boot camp um, that they don't fully understand. So I'm dealing with all this. I was at the point in my life to where it would the 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 post-traumatic would hit so hard, I would forget what I'm talking about. And I could be holding this bottle of water in my hand. And and you would ask me what this is. I would literally begin to drool and could not tell you what I was talking about. Have panic wow. attacks, fits of rage. Um, I mean, it was, it was, it was like we were discussing it a little bit earlier. It came to the point where my I destroyed my mom's kitchen on at a, from from a company Christmas party that we had. I had started the, that morning when I was working construction. I was working for my uncle and we had a Christmas party one morning or one day. And I got up at seven in the morning, cracked a beer and started snorting pills. And so I drank all day. The Christmas party kicked off around 6 p.m. And we were at the bar. And I think we left the bar at nine. We get back to the office because he had a bar set up in the office. And we continued drinking there, and he'd said something that just enraged me. Shoved this guy out of a bar stool. My uncle, my boss, his son comes at me with a pool cue. For some reason, they think it's a great idea to drag me to my parents' house. So I get over to my parents' house, and I mean, I just, I, like David, you were saying earlier, little flashes, pieces of a, of a movie. This is what I remember, but I remember just clearing the island counter off of, of the cookie jars and dishes and there's broken glass all over the floor and I'm just destroying things like on a rampage. And I remember my mom walking in and screaming, what the hell is wrong with you, son? And looking at me and but then she cut her feet all up on the glass and, it, and my stepdad, he's a mountain of a man. And just a long story short on the family, the family is reconciled. We're all good. We love each other and we're happy now, but um, he's a mountain of a man. And so he came walking through the kitchen. And I remember looking at him and thinking that, yeah, he's terrified of me now. Look, look at, he's terrified of this Marine destroying his kitchen. And now looking back with the 2020 vision, I'm very lucky that he didn't come over, rip my arm off and beat me with it. Because I was not, I was maybe 160 pounds soaking wet at that time. So I'm, I'm kind of trying to, you know, I'm sitting here like kind of picturing, you know, what this guy must have looked like and how big he must have been. And, and I know me back then, like, I, even to this day, I probably would be like really, you know, freaked out and scared 
of somebody of that stature. Cause I mean, my dad was a big guy and I was petrified of him up till the age of 16, you know? <laughs> well, I, I was fueled up with booze, drugs, and the arrogance of a United States Marine. <laughs> mm. So, so that fear was long gone before I ever got to that house. You felt they, invincible. Oh yeah. But they yeah. called the cops and I'm lucky my brother-in-law, he was, he's, he was the fire chief here locally at the time. And him and my sister were over and they were restraining me and calming me down. They called the cops and the cops come over and they managed to talk them into just hitting me with a public intoxication. Now, mind you, after the story that I just told you, I'm assaulting my uncle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm destroying private property of my parents. Um, they could have got me with assault on my mother for cutting her feet wide open on the glass. Um, they could have got me on so many charges, but again, grace of God says, let's just hit him with a public intox. You spend four hours in jail in the middle of December in a shirt and a t- shorts and a t-shirt. And then at the time I lived like 40 miles from the jail. Wow. Nobody. And it, again, back to the no baloney sandwich thing. Nobody's answering my phone calls to come and give me a ride from jail. Not mom, not dad, not my sister, not my brother-in-law, not my brother. Nobody is answering a phone call. Shorts, t-shirt, it's sleeting outside. So I begin to walk to the house. And if it wasn't again, here, here, see, this is even recanting it in this much detail, which I don't often do, um, shows me more of the grace of God because there's a paper man coming along and he sees me in the sh- and he, he pulls up and he's like, where are you headed? And I tell him where I'm going. And he, he says, uh, well, I'll give you a ride if you help me pass these papers. And so for the next two hours, I'm passing papers with this guy. He winds up getting me in my powerless trailer out in the middle of BFE and I've got like three bush lights in the fridge, no food. Um, the, the woman I was with, uh, she wasn't there. She had left because um, she was with me at the Christmas party. So she saw what happened and she was actually pregnant with my daughter at the time. And so, I mean, I was, I was in a bad way and, um, and yeah, just basic God, man. Wow. Right. Yeah. That's, it's always amazing when you start looking back like that. I mean, just like Dave and I both talked about, you know, how we uh, attempted suicide and more because my I was more of a recreational drug user. But Dave, you know, went so so much deeper into that. But, you know, we both I mean, technically should have died. And none of us, none of the three of us deserve that. You know, and that that just blows my mind to think that you'd be spitting in the face of God at the time and say, well, I know you exist or but I don't care. Or even if you're saying you don't exist, whatever. I can't imagine, you know, that, that depth of love that says, well, I know you're a scumbag, but I'm, I'm going to save your life anyway. I mean, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's hard to put it, even as a writer, even as a Christian for a long time, it's hard to put into words that, that depth of love, you know, I think that's, that's what people are missing is, uh, you know, God isn't just this idea that's, you know, this, whatever, this formless, shapeless thing. You know, I, I, th- I think it's so important that that it man, that light just shines, you know, and that's yeah. that's a difference. Anybody that knew you then and knew you now, uh, I think that would be you know pretty obvious. Even after even after all that, um, I, some I don't even remember how I got back out of the sticks and moved back to civilization here. I, I, I don't even remember how that came about, <coughs> but it did. Wound up in my own apartment, still drinking and partying. Um, me and the lady that were pregnant, 
that I had pregnant, we had parted ways. She gave birth to the, to Abby and like the big custody battle ensued. And again, I'm still drinking. I'm still carrying on. And, um, some, again, the grace of God, cause we're in court and my mom doesn't know about, and my mom, she, she went to every court hearing with me and you know how custody battles are. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but yeah. the, their lawyer is going to drag you through the dirt and ask you a billion on questions and, and, and bring up every bad thing you ever did. Sure yeah. enough. Of course, yeah. she knows about the cocaine induced heart attack and I hadn't ever told anybody about it. You know, it's at that at the time it was embarrassing stuff, but now it's my story. So, um, so they bring that up in court and my, I, my mom's face, it just goes pale. And, and so we get out of the courtroom. She's like, I, ne- I, ne- I knew you drank and I know you drink excessively, but, but I never thought that my son would do drugs. And of course I'm weeping like, oh, what about, because I didn't even tell my lawyer. So he wasn't even prepared for it to come up in the courtroom because he just looked at me like, oh, well, you're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you tell me? Yeah. Right. Uh, but, um, but so, but then to be a 32 year old man and getting in his car with his mother and the first thing she says to you after chewing you out for that, and she looks at you and says, and when you get home, you're going to tell, tell your father exactly what you've done. And I, I'm, I'm 32. And now i got to go home and tell my dad what I've done. And it was just as terrifying at 32 as it was when I was 10, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you, you're 32 years old, and you you think when you get home, you know, you're going to get a serious whooping or something. <laughs> the shame of having to tell my dad because my dad was straight laced. Granted, yeah. he is very, very firm, and but very looking back, very fair. Um, but I, I was embarrassed um, to tell him at that time. But so fast forward a year to the age of I was had just turned 33, or yeah, somewhere around there. We'll just call it yeah, we'll just call it that. And uh, child services winds up giving me a call where actually I have custody of, I have my visitation with Abby and she's sick. She's got lung infections. She got, she's all snot. And I lit, I have to take her to the children's emergency room. So they're trying to get an IV in her. She's only like two and a half years old. And, and like, and I can't watch it cause they're holding her down, stabbing her like seven times trying to find that vein. So I'm angry. Finally, I call CPS and they come in and they assist the situation, assess the situation. And they place Abby emergency custody with me because come to find out after they do their investigation, this woman had been leaving my kid in the car with another baby that she had had with another man taking care of her while she's at the drug dealer's house getting high. And, and, and it just and so, again, the grace of God with my record and my history, CPS places at permanent custody of Abby with me and we, we finally work it out through the courts and like six months later that um that full custody is mine permanent full custody there's no condition wow. and unless that the, the mother goes and takes these classes and does all these things and she can't even have visitation and to this day she still hasn't um but again grace of god but even then i was still drinking and whatever but as soon as i got custody of abby i cut it cut it out i was still smoking cigarettes um i, I said i know i'm not a good father uh, but this child needs needs a good father. And I remember my days in youth group and how sometimes I would go there to find a good father and find that love that I felt that I was missing at home. 
And so I said, but I know where she can find a good father. I know where she'll have a good father. God doesn't have anything for me because I've gone too far. I've done too many things. I've said, I've blasphemed because there's so many times I'd looked up to the sky and been like, F you, God, cussed out God, blasphemed God. I mean, just straight ran God's name through the dirt. And that's even when I got, had Jesus saves tattooed on my forearms there. Um, all that. But I, I was like, I've, I've gone and done too much, but I know God will take care of her because he's the father she needs. And so I'm pretty sure that's when God laughed because I took her to one of those churches that has here locally. They got like a 900 member congregate congregation on the first service and like a thousand members in the second service. And of course, I'm doing the back row Baptist thing in the second service. And um, I'm like maybe three weeks deep into this new church life because I believe I do believe in once saved, always saved. But I also believe that. There is no rededicating your life to Jesus because you were either dedicated or you weren't to begin with. I don't think there's a, a rededication. So um, preacher man starts giving the altar call three weeks deep into this. And I'm starting to feel some type of way. Next thing you know, I'm welling up, getting tight chested, hard to breathe. Now, mind you, there's a thousand people in this congregation and I'm gripping the back of that pew like Ugh, like the death grip on it and just boom, I'm out walking down the aisle to the preacher man sobbing snot lip quiver just you know that ugly smoker's cough that you get because you can't catch your breath <laughs> I used to be a heavy smoker that's probably where this cough remains from but um so I get up to preach, preach man. He says, do you want to give your life to Jesus? And we do that whole nine yards and I'm bawling and still just ugly. That big, bad Marine standing in front of a thousand people, or at least big, bad Marine in my mind, again, only about a buck 60 um, in front of a thousand people, just ugly crying, you know? And so it was like 45 minutes after the service, the preacher man has me back in his office and, and I'm still just, and this dude looks at me. He's like, son, are you going to be all right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, and, but then and there, I know I was changed. I know that I was changed. Um, and it's amazing. It's been amazing. It, and uh, it hasn't been all rainbows ever since there've been hard times. There was an, a, another divorce and all that, and all that time, there've been struggles. There have been heartaches. There've been hurts. There've been hangups. Um, but it's been amazing. Every bit of it's been amazing, and I, I wouldn't change a single day from birth till now for anything in the world. I wouldn't. Wow, that's awesome. Wow. You know, and I, I think it's so important, uh, and I've said this before, that I think certain people that that aren't, uh, that don't follow Christ, it's really easy for them to, you know, look at our lives, you with the band and Dave with the show, you know, me with my book or, you know, whatever, my blog. And you know what I mean? It's so easy to look at somebody and think, wow, that person has it all together, you know, and man, this is why we do the show because I, I want people to understand that number one, a lot of us walked a very broken road to get here, you know, and number two, we understand what they're going through. But number three, as you say, it's not been all, you know, sunshine and roses since. And, and I never want to put that across that oh, once you get saved, you know, it, it pretty much fixes everything. Um, it, it fixes a lot of things. It fixes your heart and your soul and you got that peace. But uh, man, you're, you're still going to go through some you, stuff. It, 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it brings on new stuff, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and you still have the, you know, like you say, the, the old life that you're dealing with, whether it's relationships or whatever, that just doesn't all automatically heal itself, you know? Yeah, definitely. And even what I shared with you guys today, I mean, there's just so much, you guys got like 30% of the story. Um, and even now, cause what am I nine years old in Jesus now? Um, like full, full blown dedication. I mean, a great, I was introduced to him at a young age. Um, but there was no, again, there was no dedication there. Um, so, but I know that introduction when I was, uh, um, like eight, I think I was at a church camp and I got saved at the church camp. But so that introduction mixed with the youth group in my teen years, um, that led to what it is now. And even like right now in this very moment, I'm in another season of change and there are things being stripped away that I didn't realize that I was holding on to. And some of them that I did realize that I, that I have realized that I've been holding on to. And the, but the change that is going on within me is ridiculously amazing. And, and I can't wait for the final product because, well, the next level, I guess you could say, um, to what I'll look like in this next season and who I'm going to become in the next season, because it's amazing. And, and I mean, just what God's going to, going to take away or remove from my life right now, it could be the band, it could be whatever, but I know he's doing it for his glory anyway. And so I, it, fear of loss and fear of change is no longer an issue um, because I realize it's all selfishness anyway, because when it comes down to brass tacks and people aren't really going to like this, your life is not about you. Your life has nothing, not one iota to do with you. Patrick's life doesn't have to do with Patrick. And we are here for everyone else around us and how we show the Jesus in us. And once you realize that what you have isn't even yours anyway, and that your life isn't yours, you're winning then. That is how you win this game called life. I've said this before, but it's amazing the the extraordinary lengths that the Lord will go to to build his kingdom and the stuff that we go through and whenever things don't make any sense. And that's why, you know, of course, I mean, of course, it's where faith comes in. But yeah, I, I mean, I've realized it took me a long time to realize that, but I've realized that that this whole thing is about building his kingdom. You know, how can I most effectively, I I, uh, with a buddy of mine, I, I start, started a, uh, thought it was going to be a band, right? And we recorded a few songs and, hey, this is how I'm going to do it. Well, you know, the Lord had a different idea in mind. Uh, what was cool was that Trey was actually raised on that demo that I recorded and he ended up saying, well, dad can do it. I can do it. And now he's doing it, you know, but God said in his wisdom said, well, yeah, that's, you know, it's not bad, but I kind of have a different idea for you. And man, like you say, it is so important that you keep that in mind, that you keep in mind that it's not about me. It's about, you know, following the Lord because he knows best. And that, that doesn't seem like the truth sometimes, but it actually is. Yeah. That definitely doesn't feel like the truth sometimes either, but, but here we are. And now I, now I get to go and do, and I get to see, and I get to meet amazing I, without what God has given me now with the band and the ministry, I would have never met you two. I would have never, the, the Odds of us ever crossing paths without this are zero. Yeah. But, but what God's put placed in my life and given me the, it, it's to meet amazing people like you. It's to pray for the, the men and women when we're out doing a show. It's to, um, it's just to, to be what I was created to be. And so 
And right, right now, a lot of the season that he has me and like next year, we're being very prayerful about the shows we take and the shows that we do. I think we only have a handful lined up for next year. Um, simply because I, the, one of the areas that I'm failing the most in right now is being the pastor in my own home. Um, I can go out on the road and I can be this most amazing praying for everybody and, and doing all these Jesus things. What's that amount to? Nothing. If I come home and I'm a freaking monster here. And I'm not right. saying that I'm a monster here, but I tell you what, I'm definitely not the guy here that I am out there on that stage. And that needs to change. And again, I'm just, I'm just being 100% transparent. Um, I'm not going to ever, you'll, you will never see me and think, well, I heard this about this guy. No, because I'm putting, I'm giving you all the truth right now. And I'm telling you right now, the area of lack that I am in my spiritual walk and my relationship with Jesus is being the, the pastor that I should be at home. And yeah, that's so, tough. You know, yeah. and, and you you have to be willing to roll with, you know, the way that your family feels about that, you know, and if if they come at it like, well, you know, we've heard this before, Dad, you know, I mean, you you have to you have to face that, you know. Well, my biggest issue is, I think, is that the expectation, I, I mean, I think I, I assume that just because this is what I do, it automatically falls to them and they have this understanding, the same understanding of the word and the walk that I have. So they understand um, um, all these things the way I understand them. And that's not even anywhere near the case. Um, and, and so it's just when I want to come off the road and I these, these aren't excuses. This is just how I'm figuring it out right now. When I come off the road, spending so much time pouring into the music, the bandmates, um, the, the people on the road at the venues or at the shows running on little sleep, little food, you get back home. I just don't have any, I don't ever leave anything in the tank for my family. And so I have to figure out how to balance the ministry on the road to the ministry in my family life to ensure that my kids are raised up in the way that she, they should go. And that, that my wife is loved like Christ loves his church. And so, and I, I'm, I'm, telling you i'm falling short on on all those fronts right now right. but i recognize it and i'm working on it so that's the important thing that's yep. the key yeah so you know if you don't mind if we can jump back just a little bit so how did you go through how you went from that guy that's all you know uh goosey and bubble blubbery in the church to uh to the band i mean what what uh you know because that's that probably wasn't an immediate or smooth smooth transition um, well, I, I hadn't picked up a guitar from the time that I think I was 17 until what, 30. I hadn't really picked up a guitar and done anything. And so after the, uh, after Jesus found me, um, the woman that I was married to at the time, I forget how she found out that I even played music ever. Maybe we had had that discussion or something like that. But one Christmas, she got an acoustic guitar. And I remember that I heard uh, on the radio at the time, need to breathe, um, washed by the water. And I was like, that's very basic chord structure. I can do that. So I learned the song and I started playing and started singing a little bit more again. And, um, and then I was going to the church at, at, at the time with a guy who was also playing music. So I was like, Hey man, we should do stuff. And so I started spending a little bit of time over his house, writing and working. And the, the, the ex-wife she she <laughs> she's like i bought you that guitar so you could you could just pick around and enjoy some stuff at the house i've already got a 17 year old boy i don't need another one with having dreams of going out and doing and i'm like wow 
okay. <laughs> but that didn't stop me. <laughs> so, and of course, that's not the band isn't the reason we got divorced or anything. But um, finally, I started playing more, and I just kind of always wanted to get back to the roots of, of, of playing out again. And but actually pouring into people using music as the ministry. I'm sure it's how every artist starts. So I want to use music as a ministry and and basically use Jesus as my step stool to stardom, which I see too, I see way too much of it. Um, yeah. And that was not my motive. I just threw that in there as a funny ha. But um, so that's how I really started. Uh, I got uh, my buddy Danny Atkins here locally. I watched him and his band play quite a few shows, and they were kind of a, a rock worship band. And I was just in awe. I was like, that's what I want to do. Look at the people they're influencing and affecting with their music. Look at them praying over them. They're literally changing lives with their music. That's what I want to do. And so I put together a couple iterations of a couple different bands that weren't terrible, but they were necessary um, to get to where I am with Three Days Under right now. And it's not that we're like super far along, but everything's growing process and I'm extremely happy with where we are um going into year six so right on amazing music and uh you know guys if if you haven't listened to three days under seriously uh you can find their stuff on youtube go and check it out amazing music very well written and great messages and uh patrick has a as dude you have an amazing voice you really do man and uh you, you you got really good control over your vocals and uh i uh i appreciate what you guys are doing honestly because uh i was blessed enough actually to meet both of you guys for the first time you know back in uh arkansas. yeah in arkansas and rocking the river <laughs> and, you know it, it was just it was awesome and uh man uh you know you just really brought it on stage man and uh very boldly you know uh sharing jesus with people on, uh from the stage and dude that was know. a rough one that was a rough one dave that's one of those before i even got there god says this is what you're gonna tell him i said no please <laughs> don't i'm gonna be there with my peers i don't want to have to tell my peers this i just don't and but god said oh you're gonna <laughs> yep but so i i mean it's one of those I, i've learned never to ignore god especially when he says to say something oh, and yeah. so that time i mean at that night he that's really when he drove in the the whole idea of like pounded at home to where i'm again blubbering in tears laying on my couch because i couldn't sleep downstairs because so much was on my mind um, God just driving it home. This isn't about you. This isn't about your band. This isn't about your songs. It's not about your follows, your views, or your fan base. This is about my son and what he's done for you. And if you ever take that stage and you make it about you or your fans or your next single or your music video, then it's all gone. And, and I was just so convicted because I got... I got lost in the numbers on on like Spotify plays or I got lost on the numbers of how many Facebook followers we got. The only followers that anybody ever deserves is Jesus, um, not 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 a three days under. Um, but he really convicted me about that, man. And and so when you have to go and he said, well, now that we've dealt that with that with you, now you're going to get up on stage and and you're going to tell that to your peers. Because even when we showed up there, and I'm not going to mention name names or anything like that, but I saw things being about the artists, yeah. and I saw yeah. that. 
I'm not saying that's who they are because all those people are amazing and they're fantastic and they're great at what they do. And they also have big hearts for Jesus. But it was just confirmation of God saying, this is why you need to say this. Because as soon as it was spoken, I noticed a shift in the atmosphere and I noticed a change and I noticed a lot more Jesus going on than what was going on in the hustle and bustle. Because at those big events, it's easy to get confused because you're trying to move bands in. You're trying to get things set up. You're trying to make sure that everything is working and smoothly and like a well-oiled machine. So it's so easy to get caught up in, in making sure the event is good instead yeah. of letting Jesus just be great and awesome all the time. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, it was after that, I think, right? that um we prayed for my son uh yes. and man that just you know because you were again yeah because you know you were faithful there so that that changed the thinking because whenever i was there dave and i were were there together watching it was just it was like man this is i mean really good good solid music good solid stage performance and then just <laughs> the, the wall of music stops and you're just like yeah dude this isn't about me this isn't about this It's not about the music you know this is about jesus and you know i i just just blew my mind and yeah like you said that that kind of opened the door and man it was in no time we had church <laughs> you know yeah we really did as we uh wind down on this here uh patrick any words for our viewers and listeners out there any you know words of wisdom any words of encouragement that you can share uh with them um yes we're in the holiday season we're in the throes of the holiday season right now and no there are a lot of, there are there are a lot of people that don't have family or they're estranged from their family or they're um they just can't go home for some reason or another and depression sets in so if you're out there and you're listening to this if it's whatever time of the day is find me on social um, find one of these guys on social, reach out because you don't have to go through it alone. Dude, I will sit there and FaceTime with you and we, I'll sit by my Christmas tree and talk to you. I'll, and, and you know what? I'll just, we'll figure out a way to make your holidays just as special as anybody else's. Because that's honestly, when it comes down to it, what it's about it is being with people that genuinely care about your well-being. And I know that I am and these two other two gentlemen here, I know that we'd rather talk you through this and walk with you through this now than, than have you feeling worthless or going and doing something stupid later. So that's, that's really what I really want to drive home right now. You know, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit works, Dave, because the blog I posted today, my blog is brokenpeople.blog, and it's literally called Help, Someone I Love is Depressed. And it's so funny how the Holy Spirit works, you know, because we didn't even see this going here. And all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden it is. I mean, you know, the Lord is reaching out to, you know, you might be listening. He's reaching out, he's reaching out to you. And you you may not have even been aware of it until this very moment. But God will do whatever he can to get in touch with you. And I've seen it happen in, in, we're in movies and then people on the street, and you know. God knows what we need. And man, he's, he's reaching out to you. He really, he really does care. He really, really, really does care. And I think that's so important that we keep that in mind. Well, we're, um, here's a little prophetic for you. We are entering into a season to where things are shifting and God is going to move onto those that are broken and hurting. Um, so if you can keep your heart soft and you can keep your ears open, wait for the work that he's about to do in you because I'm not the only one right now going through this season of change. Um, like, like 
take a caterpillar, for instance, when it goes into its cocoon and it transforms into that butterfly. Oh, he's talking about butterflies. Shut up. There's a point. Um, <laughs> you honestly think that it is, it, it is all comfortable and a smooth transition from a daggone worm into that, that beautiful creation he, he comes into, it, it becomes, um, it has to be excruciating. He's literally kind of melting down into goo, restructuring its entire organic makeup to become something different. And so all that to say that this transition may not be painless, but the, when it's completed, it will be glorious. For, and I know that that's touching somebody. And I know somebody's hearing that going, yes, God, yes, that's exactly what's happening in my life right now. And I know that it's touching somebody because God told me to say it. So, I mean, and his word does not return void. Um, yeah. And so th there, um, yeah, take it for what it is. You're not alone. The season of change that you're dealing with um, will be glorious in the end. Just got to go through the valley before we can get on the mountaintop. I'm shut yeah. up now. Yeah, you're absolutely right, man. Absolutely right. Patrick, thank you so much for being on the show, brother, and spending time with us and uh, sharing your testimony. And uh, it's just amazing what the Lord has done in your life, how he brought you out of, uh, you know, the deep trenches that you were in and how through your band and the ministry that your band is doing, that you're able to get out there and share God's word with people. And uh, I, I, I have a lot of respect for that and a lot of love for what you do. And uh, again, I thank you for being on the show, brother. I really do. Dude, I thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks for considering me for it. It's a, yeah. it's a humbling honor. Absolutely, man. Hey, guys, make sure to turn to turn tune rather into uh, Out of the Grave with Rob and Dave every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central on the GER. <laughs> Rob and I, we do that. Arr. Oh, yeah. <laughs> pretty, it looks pretty tough when we do that. I don't want to scare you. <laughs> I feel like we're like testing melons at the supermarket. There you go. Uh, this one's ripe. There you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the GER, the GRR, gospelrockandradio.com. Uh, yes, we're on there every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central. So make sure you tune in. And if you can't, no problem. We got you covered every episode of out of the grave with Robin Dave is on anchor.fm slash out of the grave. We archive them there. And the video version of uh, the show is on our YouTube channel, Out of the Grave with Robin Dave. Make sure that you subscribe, like, and all that stuff, and click the little bell so that you find out whenever we uh, upload new stuff. And then last but not least, we are on Spotify as well. So until next time, guys, be blessed and be a blessing to others.